Yo, this is Langston Liguizamo. Want y'all to make sure to look out for the Rap Round Table, Volume 3, coming soon. Yeah, uh, I tell them welcome to the gray area and stay away just in case you ain't real enough to relate. Every other Thursday, politics to the chips, get up on this wave. <laughs> now tell me what's to talk about, cause we the only thing to talk about. How you keep reality in check, just keep it real rapping, don't gossip with the facts, yeah. This is the gray area. And I am your host, Ray Jarvis. Showtime! Woo! For Chapter 37 of the Gray Area, I wanted to bring it around back to the NBA. You know, in the past couple of years, the league has started about, I would say about two to three weeks earlier. Usually the first checkpoint of the season is around Christmas, but being that the NBA season started in mid-October, we get our first checkpoint of the year in early December. Last year, I think I did a round table, but this year for like, I, I want to call the gray area the second year season two. I wanted to like scour, meet new people, invite more people inside the gray area who do things in a way that's a little bit different from the norm. And for chapter 37, I, I found this gentleman on Facebook. You know, these groups, they're so vast. His is a crew called the Sports Hits List. And my man usually has a, a unique perspective in delivering NBA knowledge. And I'm like, yo, this guy will be perfect for the gray area. So I slid in this DM like a fan, like, yo, I want you to come on my podcast, bro. <laughs> and I got him to agree to come on the pod. So the homie Mike Miller from the Sports Hit List, welcome to the gray area. What's up? What's up, my people, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, friends and enemies. But we cannot forget. The rest of the sucker MCs. What's Facts. good? What's going on, man? Yo, that intro right there, I asked him to do what he does on his show, on my show, because I'm like, that is how you set a tone for any kind of information you deliver in it. In the NBA realm of fans, there are a lot of sucker MCs out here, a, a lot of fake fans, a lot of jabronis, and I'm like, yo, this guy, he gets it, and I need him on the show. Appreciate you having me, my brother. No, no doubt, no doubt. Yo, so, you know, we see a lot of things going on in the league, you know? It's, it's a lot of narratives. It's, it's a lot of stories, a lot of fake news. We got guys claiming trades and saying a guy's going this place when he goes that place and he gets credit for the wrong location. I'm seeing a lot of guys who are talking about buyouts already. Trevor Ariza out here talking about he's not quitting on the team, but then he's the first guy to leave after practice. A lot of things are moving around the league. But, Mike, my question to you is, have things gone as expected thus far in this first month and a half of the season? Um, I would say yes and no. Okay. Yes on the West side, the Western Conference, just because, I mean, even though the Warriors have had little slippages, Stephen Curry missed 11, 11 days, uh -huh. even though they had slippages, we know what time it is. We know the Warriors are going to win the West. But the East, I would say no, because we expected Boston, well, at least, that, I, I'm going to say we because I was part of the we, that expected Boston to at least be the best team in the East. Fair. And they've been up and down so far this first uh, quarter of the season. So, it, and, and in a general sense, yes, everything is expected. The Warriors are still going to win the championship if they're 100% healthy. But there's those side stories and those those um, 
side themes that are, are kind of a toss up and it's a lot is not what we expected. Oh. For example, um, yeah, a lot of it's not as expected. A lot of a lot of teams are it's, it's not really surprise teams uh-huh. in a sense of somebody coming out of nowhere, but it's really just a lot of teams being a lot better than we had expected. Right, so, right. You know, no. you know what this is? It, it kind of reminds me the NFL when in those first three to four weeks you have a team or two that's like three and one and we know that the regression is coming. So we just kind of like waiting to see when the actual fall takes place. I'm looking at a team right. like the Clippers. The Clippers, they, no, you know, they, they, they were not supposed to be this. You know? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. That would be that one would definitely be a surprise. I, I, so I'm you correcting that one. The Clippers are definitely a surprise. Nobody thought they would be number one in the West right now. Absolutely, so, but at bad. the same time, if we're looking at the NFL sense. To me, they're the three and yeah. one team, and they're gonna lose four yeah. straight at some point. We're just waiting on it. If I look, I bet if I looked at their schedule right now, I would see a few matchups to where I would say their schedule was favorable. They haven't really played right. anybody, right. so it's like it's I nice, it, it's a cool story, but we, we let's wait and see. I think I think I, I think you're absolutely correct. I think I was looking somewhere yesterday that they have the top five easiest schedule so far. I'm, I'm not 100 percent certain, but I think I saw that somewhere. But I, I agree with you. I we I think we all are waiting for the shooter drop. We're right. all waiting for, for January to hit when people really start to get in their regular season stride. And then the Clippers go on like a six or seven game losing streak and end up like a six or seven seed. But they are a they're they're that classic NBA gritty team. They 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 in Memphis, right. which is also another surprise. Really, those two teams are teams that it's all grit because, listen, Mike Conley and Mark Gasol are overrated. So to me, they're, they're <laughs> regular play, like they're regular players. Like people say, like sometimes people say Mike Conley is one of the most underrated players. Charles Barkley likes to say that. I think it's the reverse. I right. think he's overrated because I think he's just a regular player but nevertheless those two teams are winning just on grit and heart they just got a lot of good gritty NBA players no superstars no real stars so I think once the superstars and this and the and the better teams start to settle in then those teams will, will fall back in the pack absolutely you know I think just to, just to piggyback on your Clippers point real quick, like the Clippers now are more of a Doc Rivers team than any of the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin teams of the past few years. Sure. Like this this yeah. this team has more of his personality thus far. Like they're gritty, they fight. I like Boban in the middle doing what he does. I like the guard play. They're a physical team. They they, they make you feel them on a night to night basis, and that's a dog a Doc Rivers staple going back to Orlando, going back to Boston. That this that's the kind of team he likes. But the Celtics, to me, like a lot, you know what it is? It's like those sucker MCs, a a theme of this episode. Everyone is already (laughs) jumping, you know, they they jumping off the bridge when it comes to the Celtics. And it's like no one really does their homework. Everyone thinks that the NBA is 2K where you get a bunch of nice dudes. They get a nice rating. They get a 90 plus rating and they're supposed to be nice. Everyone is not factoring in that. This is essentially a new team. Kyrie Irving missed a, a little under half of the season. Gordon Hayward played right. about a quarter. 
And so then you ask guys to be thrust into roles that they weren't prepared for, and they and they progressed as the season went along. And now you're asking those same guys to now take a step back. Guys like Rozier, guys like Tatum, guys like Brown. They have to take a step back as this new team essentially finds their rhythm. So of course it's going to be bumps in the road. I don't. I, I just don't understand why people just expect things to happen in a microwave fashion. I know this is the microwave era of all eras, but if you know ball, you should not be surprised that the Celtics are having problems right now. Right. I agree with you 100%. That was one of the one of the the question marks I had going into the season. The talent was there, but the question mark I had was the genius, the darling coach that everyone loves and I, I think he's a great I think he's a good coach. I won't call him great yet. Uh, uh Brad Stevens, the test was how was he going to mix all of this talent? It's one of the things I think about when we was just talking about Doc Rivers. And part of me, I, I have, I said it, and I don't really care what people think, but <laughs> I think Doc Rivers is great. So, part, and part of the reason why Doc Rivers is thriving right now is because of low expectations, and you just have a bunch of grinders. The uh. challenge for coaches in a lot of situations is. Brad Stevens had the same thing these past couple of years where you have a bunch of really good players who grind. Uh You can coach guys up. But now the other part of being a great coach is what do you do when you have the actual talent? Can you put it together and and make it into a championship team? And that was the test for me for Brad Stevens coming into the season. So far, he's failing. You know, I won't say he's failing, Mike, but what, what I think is happening is sometimes you have too many ingredients. I think the Celtics have too many guys. I think at some point they might need to like consider a trade where they just get rid of players because if you have 10 or 11 players that you have to concern yourself with getting minutes, it kind of kills the rhythm or any flow that you could get into. Some nights it's Kyrie, some nights it's Gordon, some nights it's Tatum. There's no defined roles and I think that's what's really hurting Boston right now. My brother, I would have to disagree to an extent on that. I like that. Because I think every coach and I think Doc Rivers said it last week. I think every coach wants that kind of problem oh. where you have too many players. See what I'm saying? Because the, really the challenge, I, I forgot w- which coach normally says it, but it's really when it boils down to the NBA, it's about talent versus no talent. Mm-hmm. Whoever has the most talent has the better chance. So I believe that talent, They, I, it's a great thing to have at least two starters at every position. That's what the Celtics have. They have mm. they look have legitimately two starters at every position. So their bench can be starters. I think that's a good thing. Oh. I think the challenge for Brad Stevens is the mixture. How do you make it work? How do you get guys to buy into your system? And then they some guys like Gordon Hayward, which was great that he decided to come off the bench, but that's the kind of guys you need when you have so much talent uh. is that you have to be selfish guys. That's the beauty of the Warriors is that that lack of ego in terms of who gets to take a million shots. Uh-huh. When you have guys like that, then the, then the boatload of talent you can keep. And that's the because if you think about it, if you look at the Warriors, people could make that same argument like, man, you got a lot of talent but, on But there. Mike, you but Mike, that- hold on, brother. See, you're you making some valid points. But the thing that, that people never account for, and I feel like you, you're turning a blind eye just a little bit, is the fact that the Warriors, although a great example, they're an anomaly. The Celtics have the quintessential personality conflict. There's so many players who feel they deserve minutes and they want to play. And even if a coach wants to have 10 starters, essentially, can that same coach manage these personalities? And I think as the time goes along, Brad Stevens might be an excellence in those guys, but 
can he manage these personalities? Rosier thought he was next up, but now Kyrie wants his time back. You still got Marcus Smart. But that's the challenge, though. Okay. People, people often said that is the that is the that is the one quality that Phil Jackson had. My man, you know I was what? going there with Phil too. I appreciate you <laughs> for that. Quality that he had is that Doug Collins was a great coach, uh-huh. a really really good. We could say great, but what Phil was able to do with Michael Jordan, he said, "Wait a minute, I can teach you how to be a winner." And I can put you in a system that allows you to win. And I can manage these egos. Now, of course, it's a little different because Scotty Pippen got drafted to the Bulls, too. So he's playing under Michael Jordan. So Uh he's getting to learn from Michael Jordan. That's a different kind of uh, ego to massage as opposed to Kyrie and Gordon Hayward gathering a bunch of free moved out but if you but we if we take another example it's it's not it's not a one-to-one comparison but still worthy of worthy of comparing is we look at the the experiment with the lebron james miami mm-hmm. these are three these are three big free agents and now they have to they have to find some cohesiveness between the three of them what it eventually took was Dwayne way said you know what i'll have to take a step back so but eric Oster still was able to devise a scheme. Ultimately, what I guess what we're both saying is ultimately players will have to decide if they want to to if they want winning to matter more than their personal egos Agreed. when it comes to being a, such a talented team. All right, so the let's players see. will have to make that determination. You know what? You're making a lot of sense here. You, 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 well, I, I guess it will be some policing in the Celtics locker room. Maybe they can take a page from Golden State. Golden State is just so beautiful to me because of the fact that they just show you you know what it is it's like I have so many arguments when it comes to the Warriors and people don't understand when they watch that that team play you have two of the greatest shooters of all time and and a top five a top three greatest offensive weapon of all time and none of them necessarily need to dribble to dominate the game and I and I'd like this I'm not Boston's talent is not comparable to Golden State but maybe the ball needs to move a little bit more Maybe guys but need I to see. police themselves a little bit more and, and they need to find, find their way to make it their life easier for the coach and vice versa. I, I like what you're saying now because, see, now we're having a basketball discussion. This is beautiful. Absolutely. This is a basketball discussion because now we're talking about talent and fit. Because, see, you, the beauty of Golden State is that these guys' specific talents allow for each other to play off one another, whereas Kyrie is a ball-dominant player. Right. Gordon Hayward's a dominant player Jason Tatum's when he when Jason Tatum when he was at his height in the playoffs was ball dominant so you got these three ball dominant players and these three would be your three best players right okay and they're all ball dominant this was the challenge in Miami as well as the challenge in Cleveland with LeBron Kyrie LeBron and D Wade is when you got these guys that basically play similar styles or occupy the same space mm-hmm. it's difficult in order to run a fluid kind of offense. There is no fluid so, offense for that, to be honest. It isn't, yeah. But so, so what no, but so what happens is, is like in Miami and most of LeBron James-led teams, is it's, it's an ISO-heavy offense. Uh-huh. And the key is that somebody has to take a back seat to some degree, right. i.e. D-Wing, i.e. Because in a lot of ways, if you think about it, LeBron kind of took a back seat to Kyrie. And he, he said as much where he talked about how he pretty much would let him go and let him, you know, kind of right. find it, his Right. It's that whole, your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. But 
That's that's easy to defend in the playoffs unless you have a compromised Steph Curry. But we won't go there. Facts. Well, you think about it, this NBA is different because that your turn, my turn could have worked in an in an earlier in a in a earlier NBA. True. But not in this NBA with so much ball movement and everything is so spread out. That's really what the challenge is mm-hmm. to do that kind of toe ball. Even though in a lot of ways you would think that that would that that would work against it because you kind of saw Houston kind of trap because Houston ran a lot of ISO ball last yeah. year and it kind of Golden State into doing that and they were unsuccessful. But when you spread teams out, it kind of it, it kind of facilitates their fast break. Make, uh, a lot of the game goes faster. That's why we see everything going faster just because of people spreading the, the floor and stuff. Right. So that ISO basketball is it's difficult to win that way. But if you have the right mix of ISO guys, uh-huh, I don't uh-huh. know. It, it, like I said, ultimately, if we're comparing Boston and their prospects to beat the Warriors, I don't believe they have enough to beat the Warriors. That's just me. Interesting. I think they're talented, but I still think they're a step below. Because here's how I put, I put it this way. If you look at their team, this is how I look at the Warriors when I compare it to any team that may have a chance. Do the Warriors have an advantage at every position? Point guard, the Warriors, I believe Stephen Curry's better than Kyrie Irving. So they have the advantage at the point guard. Shooting guard, I believe Clay Thompson is better than Jason Tatum. So small forward, Kevin Durant, of course, is better than Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if it's Gordon Haywood. Power forward, Draymond is better than Gordon Haywood or Jalen Brown. Right. He does more, he's more impactful. And then center, Boogie Cousins versus Al Horford. So if Golden State, if they're starting five, you have an advantage at every single position, yeah. then you're not as But I think we're Boston, even though we, we, we've gone in a totally different direction, but we'll stay here for right now. I think we're, we're Boston would, 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 would favor, I'm not saying they're going to favor, but where they would be successful against Golden State. For, for all the luxury boutique talent that the Warriors have, that their Achilles heel has been physicality when teams muck it up. And I think I, I like the makeup of Boston because Boston can play that that ugly style of basketball and they have enough talent to still score. And that's why I think the dynamic of that series will be interesting because I like a Morris twin. I I, I like a Ola Nick and, and a, there's, there's another guy who, who can throw an elbow here or there and another big that they may or may not pick up as the season goes along. Marcus Smart could get underneath a guy here or there. Kyrie's already shown that he, he can stand up toe-to-toe against Golden State, you know? So I, I, like, I like the Boston matchup, not necessarily for a talent versus talent perspective, but for the fact that if, if they can grind that series to a halt, and I think they're very much capable of, they can make things very interesting because it becomes a game of precision. Each possession matters more and more when the pace is slowed down. So I look I look at Boston to muck it up and then create situations where Kyrie can get really, really abrasive. Kyrie loves seeing number 30. He loves seeing yeah, yeah. He loves seeing stuff. And, 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 and number thirty is seeing him. And, and I think, so, and I think, in a, in a in a high leverage, we'll call it situation. I might, I might want to roll a dice on Kyrie getting Steph again. And I love both of them. Those are my two guys. But I think Kyrie, if uh, it gets hot, I'm, I'm picking Kyrie over Steph. I, I would this, I will respectfully disagree, sir. Okay. I think, I think, uh, and I, I, I think your point would be. Very, very valid last year, but with the addition of Boogie, Changes you go muck it up, and now they got now they got a guy that they can throw it to. Uh, but well, we gotta see what Boogie play. right now. Yeah. I'm not even calling him Boogie, Mike. He's still Demarcus. He I, he gotta get that Boogie name back, bro. He gotta get that back. 
hey, on this team with those players, he could be just DeMarcus, and that's all. You need. <laughs> all right, boy. <laughs> he could just be DeMarcus. You don't even. You could call. You could take the D off and just call him Marcus. For ah. <laughs> that team, listen, they're only asking him for for what you're saying right. for the moments. Take out. Let's say it's not Boston. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's. The only the team that I thought could have been a threat if LeBron went to, let's say it's Philly. Right. Demarcus is only there for Joel Embiid. He's there for Anthony Davis. He's there for when you think that you could slow them down. He's there specifically. So okay, cool. Y'all want to slow it down? Well, we'll give it to this guy okay. because he's twenty five, ten, and five. So we'll give it to that guy, mm. and we'll play a slow game anyway. So I think that would have been a. I know we we kind of got off on that, but it's. I mean, it's exciting to talk about the. Warriors. Absolutely, we have. We have. So so yeah, I think it, I think they like I said I I said this before. I think they fo 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 whoever they play. So <laughs> <laughs> well, are you you are the Warriors guy, so we 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 got we got to throw that out there for the listeners. Now he he's the I'm source a, for the Warriors. So if he's saying that, am, it's partial fandom. Let me be let me be clear. I am a Pacer fan, one hundred percent. I'm an Indiana Pacer fan, but I love the Warriors. Okay, I'm gonna <laughs> put my fandom on the front street, so there's no mistake. I am a diehard Pacer fan. Reggie Miller was my favorite player of all time. Right. So let's be clear. Victor Oladipo is my favorite player. But right as now, a basketball fan who loves impurity, you love Golden State. Oh, you you can't help but love it. Like people, I know like some people who me. hate it, bro. I know some people who hate it a lot. Let me call, let me be real. You know some LeBron fans that hate it. Oh, Let's just call it what it is. Oh man! And as a Laker <laughs> fan, it kills me because I enjoyed watching him lose to Golden State. I don't even. I'm still all over the place with this LeBron Laker relationship. Oh, you're a Laker fan. See? Yeah. Well, yeah. Y'all, y'all got. I know it's. I know it's hard for y'all because I talked about it earlier. A lot of LeBron fans. They was because I would let me full disclosure. Uh-huh. When LeBron first stint in Cleveland, I was a LeBron fan. Die hard. Okay. Always a fan, but I was a dot. So that's just the backstory. So I love LeBron's game. Once he left the Miami, I said I kicked him to the curb. I said it's over. Uh-huh. You, 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 coward move to me. And you know I'm not like harboring hate for him as a player, but just I I won't respect that ever because as you see that changed the NBA right. in terms of how move and stuff like that but I know it's, it's difficult for y'all because for a while I know I was going at all the Laker fans when when Le- when Kobe was at his height because remember him and LeBron they was doing the commercials yep. they were supporting the finals but LeBron ain't hold up his end of the deal so I know like Kobe fans and, and slash Laker fans I know this is a difficult time for you my brother Listen, I know it's, it's, it, it's so weird because I, you know what it is? I know better. I know what the LeBron package is. I know that my team is going to get better. I'm not one of those who believes in the, the LeBron Kool-Aid. I told people the Lakers won 35 games for kids. If you add LeBron to a 35-win team, they're going to win at least 50 games. I have him at 54. But at the same time, it's like I've cheered against this man his entire— with the exception of his Miami run. I enjoyed Miami LeBron. I think he played his best ball in Miami. But I look at this team, and I'm like— I see Alonzo. I see a Brandon Ingram. I see I see a Kyle Kuzma. They don't need, they don't need LeBron. Le, not not Trade in the me. sense of of winning and losing, but for these guys to to reach their heights, LeBron gets in the way of that. But then I want to win much. games. You know what I mean? I t- 
Yeah, I talk, listen, I, I was just talking about it earlier with a, with a friend of mine that we tend to, and I know we, we get in the weeds, but we, this is a basketball conversation. It goes so many different places. But um, we tend to give, because you talk about development of young players, we mm-hmm. tend to give LeBron all the credit and say, look how great he is right. when he leaves a team. They plummet, but that's also a negative. Because why is it that you're not good enough to, to help other players get better? Why is it that no other players develop around you? But the narrative is, is he that? makes players better. But what players, though? I don't know. Because if you, make, <laughs> if you make players better, then we should be able to see that when you leave. Right. So players that get better when you play with them. In other words, what people are actually saying is LeBron makes role players play good enough around him. Mm. But who actually... Booby Gibson is out of... LeBron was with... Booby Gibson, and then after that, Booby Gibson scored 31 points in Game Six against Detroit. Remember that series? LeBron didn't close out the series; he did that in Game Five. Booby Gibson closed the game. Who could forget shooting, Booby? We will never forget that. But who? But he ended up out the league like two years after that, right. after LeBron left. So my thing is this: if we get to give the man all the credit for the fact we say that's a plus that the team destroys when plummets to to nothing when he leaves. <laughs> We have to blame him for this so-called developing people and people get better around him. Who? Well, no superstars definitely do. Chris Bosh went from 24 and 15 to 15 and 11. Kevin Love went from 24 and 15 to to 17 and 11. Like, a lot of people's career, like, yeah, they'll probably well, be Mike, all the famous. Mike, there's a simple explanation for why this happens. Those, those guys need the ball. To, to do what they do. If LeBron is holding the ball each and every possession, probing, that's standing, the, but pounding. But, but you got to look. That's the point. But you got to look at it. Well, let's talk about other players. Because they always come. They always juxtapose what LeBron's teams look like to Jordan's team after he left. They say, oh, well, how could Jordan be that good? When he left, Scottie Pippen led the team to 55 wins. Okay, but let's use the same argument and flip it. So that's a credit to Michael Jordan for developing, helping develop Scottie Pippen. Remember, Scottie Pippen was drafted after Michael Jordan was already on the Bulls. We don't know what Scottie Pippen would be if not playing with Michael Jordan, who was already great. Before Scottie Pippen got in the league, Michael Jordan was already great. Right. So why is that not a credit to, to Michael Jordan that he was able to de- not only de- help Scottie Pippen develop, but Scottie Pippen is a Hall of Famer because he played with Michael Jordan. We can say that. But listen, the, got the, the, rule, the rules of engagement have changed. We see it every day. The, the way players are rated with the current media and the current fans, the way everything is set up, the rules that we grew up on, because everything we came from the same era. The rules that we grew yes, up sir. on have changed. The LeBron, think about it. Think about it. When we were teenagers, if if a player, no matter how good he was, was three and six in the finals, there was no goat talk. We we there was the era two eras before us. You had a Jerry West. Jerry West wasn't celebrated for going to the finals all the time. He was remembered for losing no. damn near all the time. But now LeBron loses yeah. six finals and he's the goat. How? You, and you know that as a Laker fan, you know that Jerry West always talks about the fact that he hates his one and nine finals record. He always Jerry West despises when people bring it up and nobody ever did. But all of a sudden, as you said, the rules change. Now we now we respect losers. Now we go to the. <laughs> 
Now we go to the point where we actually said two years ago, we people was crazy. When the Warriors won their first championship against LeBron, they actually made the argument that he should have won finals MVP. Why? Because he was averaging 35 points. Meanwhile, the man was shooting 38% from the field. This is a this is a dude who career shoots like fifty two percent from the field. The man was basically a looter in a riot. The man was basically chucking <laughs> up shots. Facts. Oh, from game from game three on, LeBron was shooting like fourteen for thirty one. 15 for 40. Like, if you go look at LeBron box scores, but because we did the sympathy act, oh, it's the Warriors. We started change. Like you said, we changed the narrative. Now we gotta. Re- now we gotta look at stats. Can nobody tell us what Charles Barkley's stats was in the finals against the Bulls? No. Nope. Charles Barkley was 30. No one cares. You lost. That was the rules. Hey. All of a sudden, LeBron gets to lose. I- the thing that's just crazy to me, bro. But you know what it is? We, this is this is the participation we, trophy era. So it and, all counts. I, yo, you are 100% correct. Participation era. Because when did we start celebrating you losing? We never... Second place was never cool. Hey, Mike, the finals. We if, if, if that's the case, then we, we should be making an argument that Jim Kelly's the GOAT quarterback. He went to four straight Super Bowls, right? Let's. <laughs> if, if that's the rules of engagement, then everything is on the table, man. I, I, it's funny that you just brought up Jim Kelly because that's what um, Rob Parker was talking about it on on, on Colin Cowherd's show. He was talking about how the the coach of 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 the Bills that uh, in those four um, Super Bowl appearances, nobody brings him up as a goat coach. Why? Mm. You got to win. Got to get it, it was done. Winning. I, I, I'm listen. I'm not one of those people that think rings mean everything, but I tell people all the time. That is, once once LeBron went to Miami, then he told us the standard is championships. That's what he told us. Yeah, not so, one, I'm, not two. Yeah, what he said, not one. So I'm judging him based on this on the amount of rings you get, not how many times you go to the fight. We never did that. We never counted how many times you go and lose. We didn't do that. So we're not going to do it now for LeBron. But the, isn't the, isn't it amazing that that? All of these people, all of the LeBron zealots, as you nicely quoted, and I've said in, in my own life, I feel like we speak the same language. They'll make it seem like we're crazy when we say, well, this player plays better without LeBron. You know what I mean? Or like these numbers. And they, they'll use the same numbers to prop up how good LeBron is. But then we use those same numbers to show, well, he's holding this guy back. No, 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 no. You're wrong. That is not true. Brandon Ingram is playing way better when LeBron's on the bench. I wonder why. Thank you. And I didn't even, I didn't even, you know what? I heard that stat the other day and it just whizzed past me. I didn't even think <laughs> nothing of it. It fits the point that I was just making is that why do we not knock him for the fact that everybody played the stars right. or the really good just for some miraculous reason? I don't know. Maybe for some strange reason, they play better when they're not on the floor with you. Why? Hey. I don't understand. Why. But, but uh, all I'm saying is, listen, we just got to start looking at things. I, I, I'm a hundred percent okay with looking at it the way I've always been looking at it. For most cases, I'm mm-hmm. cool with that. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't. This new is not going to make me change the way I view the game from certain a- aspects. And in terms of, if you, if as LeBron or or any other team, if you are going by the standard that you have to be judged on championships, uh-huh. then that means. Them. That doesn't mean getting there. It means winning them. So if you don't win them, then it's a negative. You do not get fat for losing. 
You know what? It's, it's, it's crazy. In, in any other realm of athleticism, all the greats, all the goats, name, pick them, name them. They all were considered the greatest at their sport because they won more at the highest level than they lost. I don't understand <laughs> how now getting there is enough. And, and, and we got to table it because there were certain things I really wanted to talk to you about, but we got into some ball talk, which is okay, too. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's you, get it. you mentioned the, the LeBron move and, and how you felt about, about LeBron going to Miami. You, you thought it was a bit cowardly, right? KD is, is still feeling that same pushback, even though LeBron fans will tell you it's not the same. It's not the same. KD is still living with that hate after two championships and proving at the highest level on the biggest stage that he's better at basketball than LeBron. But that's neither here nor there. How do you feel about even this whole Draymond thing and, and everyone is like, oh, he's soft, he's this, he's that. What, what is it with this whole hypercriticism of KD? Like, what, what does it stem from? Is, or is it just a LeBron narrative pushing the agenda? Well, I honestly, I think, I, I think when you look at KD and when we look back at at this move, I think, it, and KD said it, it's going to be directly um, connected with LeBron's move to Miami. KD said that was part of the motivation. Here's the point: I believe that a lot of the animus towards KD is because it, the the opportunity to anoint LeBron as the greatest ever was there. KD took it away from him. Once KD went to the Warriors, there was no more championships coming. That's what everybody was waiting for. You, uh. yeah, you, you know this. Once he won that one championship in Cleveland, the miraculous championship. Thank you, Draymond. Uh, the the miraculous championship. Everybody was waiting. They it was time. Everybody of this era was like, yes. If he wins two more, then he, he gets to become better than Jordan, or he gets to be the greatest. Whatever. I believe a lot of the animus towards KD and his move, and them still feeling it today, is the fact that LeBron's team against him the past two years is one and eight in the finals. Uh. The fact that the Warriors now have embarrassed them and basically. It's, it's, it's Killmonger and like they said you know all the but everybody says this your king right this is what basically happened this is the king that everybody wanted and he was on the precipice of being anointed but what happened is KD moving to the Warriors made that virtually impossible for him to win now I think and I think KD's problem is is really he's he hasn't fully accepted the fact that he's going to have to wear this villain hat from some people. Right. That he's never... Like, he won't get the redemption story LeBron got unless he leaves. But he the, won't get the... But you know why? The difference between KD and, and LeBron is LeBron, that boy is Hollywood. He knows how to play this game. I, I believe that KD, at his core, is a really good guy. Who doesn't know yeah. how to be a jerk? Like, I'm a Kobe guy. You know, and Kobe is a jerk. He knows how to wear it. Some guys right. know how to wear it. You know what I mean? So, KD has rabbit yeah. ears. He's a good guy. Yeah. He wants to be liked. If Westbrook was had KD's talent and went to Golden State, Westbrook would be the biggest heel in the NBA because he would wear oh, it. Of course. That's the thing. And that's, remember, LeBron had that similar situation when he first went to Miami right. that first year. He tried to wear the black hat. That's not you, bro. And I think KD, KD is, I think this is who he is, though. Mm. I think it's okay. I think human beings have, they need to be able to, we need to be able to accept as a, as a, as a society that human beings have duality. 
there there's di- there's dynamics within human beings True. emotionally sometimes they're up sometimes they're down i think that's okay but i think with the problem i think the problem people have is that they're not used to that you know what i'm saying like mm. like people say he's so hypersensitive jordan was out here making up things that people said about him so we talk <laughs> about Imagine if you actually Jordan spent his Hall of Fame speech talking about his high school coach. You saying KD's the most sensitive? Like, think about it. Like, things were really, really. Pe- human beings are emotional creatures. Where some people wear their emotions in different ways than others. So KD is no more or less, no more emotional. It's just how he responds to his emotions. But everybody takes people. In, in general, people like to be like Kobe doesn't. Kobe didn't like being hated forever. That's why towards the end of his career, he started to be the nicer, more gentler Kobe, even though he was still, you know, me defensively. But he still had that part of him because people don't like being hated. That's not a comfortable uh, space to be in. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm not on the level of Kobe, but I know when I used to play when, playing ball when I was younger growing up, I used to be, I used to wear them. I used to talk a lot of smack. I used to wear that, that villain card. But it doesn't feel good when nobody respects your game True. and everybody calls you a bum. Mostly because it's not, you might not necessarily be a bum, but it's the fact that everybody hates you. Nobody likes to be hated. Like we say that. But like True, Miller, but no one like, likes to be hated. But there's the experts who know how to car- carpet. I don't even know how to say that word. They know how to put it in a different compartment. It's carpet, carpet, blah, blah. I can't say it, true. I want the listeners to know I can't say that word. <laughs> but it's like some guys, like, I know if I know a person doesn't like me, let's, let's boom, let's take it to like the professional realm. There's going to be colleagues that don't like you. I'm not going to sure. let that dictate my day. I know sure. that you don't like me. If I'm a pro athlete, you're going to boo me. You know what I mean? Sure. That's fine. Sure. So it's like sure. he needs to he I needs think- to figure that thing out where it's like, you know what? They're going to boo me. They're going to they, they're going to tweet me nasty things. I don't need a burner account because I'm that guy. Why can't he be and, that and, guy? And there's my point, because let's think about what we're saying here. Right. It's not that it's not that he isn't emotional. It's mm. just the reaction that we don't like. Mm. It's not the fact that it bothers him. It's the fact that we know that it bothers him. Uh. It's the fact that he just that it bothers him. If he didn't show like that stuff, like I know for a fact, just just based on just the way humans are wired, uh-huh. people are not just happy with you chastising them and tearing them apart people are not naturally going to enjoy that true but you may respond to it but Mike, See what I'm saying? Like, but listen the man is so concerned about the fan reaction to him that he's restricted comments on his instagram fam like only blue checks can comment on his ig posts that's ridiculous but now but now let's think about it he he just won two back-to-back finals MVPs. Just this uh-huh. last week, he scored most points. He scored the most points in a four-game stretch since Kobe 10 years ago. Okay. So does it actually bother him basketball-wise? No, that's absolutely not. It doesn't. That's what I'm saying. I think people, if we look at it based on his job, like as you said, you said if somebody hates you at your job, it's not going to stop you from doing your job. Uh-huh. KD feels the same way. The difference is, is that he wants to respond to the person who doesn't like him at his job. He's still going to do his job. Uh-huh. He's still going to make sure he gets his paycheck. He's just going to tell you while he's doing it. 
I don't like you. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So Copy. it's not that KD doesn't have a problem. It's not that KD actively do his job because of the fact that he went to the Warriors. They've hated it for two years, back-to-back finals MVPs, and killed LeBron. So he can do his job, but it's just that people are upset with the fact that he likes to respond. Uh-huh. And that's just what he did. respond, maybe not. I'm not him. And sometimes we have to be okay with people doing things that, that are the unconventional or not the norm that we would like. Some people just like to respond to people. Some people cool with that. People cool with responding to people. And I think we have to get over wanting him not to respond. You're right. <laughs> I just feel as though... Not the language. I, I just, you know what, not the But it's like, the only reason why I'm concerned... Because, you know, I like athletes to be humans. So let's, let's be clear for the listeners. I'm, I'm, I'm here for all of it. But it's like, mm-hmm. it's almost like, you know, in the Matrix, when it was like the computer started to become self-aware and they started to understand. The media has become self-aware more than ever before. They know how to control. They know how to control every aspect of an athlete. It's not like when in the past where the athletic feats of a player decided his legacy and he won and he was the best and, and all that extra noise didn't matter. The way the media sure. has positioned Kevin Durant and, 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 and his legacy, air quotes on that, is that he's an emotional, whiny winner. And he doesn't deserve that. You know, and that's and my concern. I, 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 my, and I, I, I feel you on that because I think a great player of his caliber doesn't deserve that. But I ultimately, as a fan of his, I don't care. Like, like I said, you got like it's one of those things where it's like, and some uh, it's one of those. I, I I have a I have a professor who talked to me about uh, about uh, a, a counseling class, and she and she she always has this quote, and she said, "Listen, you get to feel the way you want to feel about me. You right. get to think whatever you want. But that doesn't change who I am. You get to think whatever you want. So the media gets to to write and think whatever you want about Kevin Durant, but the legacy will show. Two-time champion, two-time finals MVP, right. MVP." Arguably the greatest score in NBA history. Like that, you can't, whatever you write in your editorials, don't take that away. The numbers are going to be the numbers. And we, and those of us diehard basketball fans, will decide based on that, not the headlines. Right, right. You know, and it, it, I just also selfishly is because I, I've watched them since. Kobe left the league, actively try to erase him. Anytime Kobe says anything, they find a way to negatively spin it. They constantly attack every Kobe quote, every Kobe action. And it's like they want this young generation who may have never seen Kobe play, think of him in a negative light. They've already programmed people to think of KD in a negative light. And it's like, at the end of the day, these these, these players go out here, and as much as they play ball, KD does hoop. He does what he does. Believe me, those rabbit ears... They, they reach all the way to the media, beefing with that guy, Stephen A. Smith, about things that Stephen A. clearly did lie about. KD called him a liar. Said when, when he said KD's going to the Lakers like three or four years ago, KD went to the Warriors. So obviously whatever Stephen A. had wasn't accurate, but he wanted to have a whole argument with this player on TV. And it's like that this whole negative energy towards a player who's winning who's good at basketball, who doesn't need to pound right. the ball, who doesn't need a 30-plus 30 pu- 30 usage percentage to dominate the game. And it's like yeah. you, you you celebrate Westbrook for, for, for being a high-usage, low-efficiency, triple-double machine, but KD's a problem. And it's like it's like the, the person, the, the ball fan in me is, is like, yo, we got to start telling yeah, the truth. You, tell the truth out here. Yeah. Call, call it what it is. 
That's the th- that's what I'm. That's the thing, though, bro. It's going to be undeniable. Let's mm. say the Warriors win again this year, hypothetically, and he wins and he gets Finals MVP. You, it's no way you can make up a narrative that True. doesn't put him in the in the upper echelon of great. But NBA they have already. Remember, the Warriors but, ruined the league. They ruined the league. It's not but, fair. Hey, bro. That remember, I told you how I felt about LeBron. Everybody felt the same way in 2009, 2010. That's, That's how a fact. everybody felt. We, I told you what happened is we got revisionist history. LeBron won, <laughs> and we forgot how much. We Everybody, the way they felt about KD, everybody felt about that. I remember walking in. I remember walking on my block. I just, I had just finished watching a, a, a hoop game. I was just, I was up at at, at Tri State on Forty Fifth, mm. and I was just watching the game. I got the call. Yo, LeBron with the Miami. I remember everybody in the street like, oh man, this is. Everybody had the same energy. But what happened is he won, and then the Vegas history, everybody wiped the slate clean. If let's say hypothetically KD stay two more, let's say they win two more championships, and let's say hypothetically, because it's not that far fetched, uh-huh. they he was he's a four time Finals MVP. This is the first time as a four peat since what the Celtics, right? Bro, it's undeniable. But what whatever about, story right. you can say about a thin skin is undeniable. So let's pivot. Let's pivot, Mike, because I I got you in the pocket right now. Let's go. go, ahead, to, go ahead. Let's go to Steph Curry. Those same people yeah, talking about then, KD and he's off are going to say, oh, well, Steph, he doesn't have any finals MVPs. His legacy's incomplete. What would you say to that? Easy. He should have won finals MVP the first championship. He right. averaged the because everybody focused on the first three games when he was playing bad. And they were saying, oh, I remember they was like, oh, Delhi, Delhi killing him. Delhi right. killing him. He averaging 26. He ended up averaging 26 and 5. He was the reason they won. Andre Godala played the great defense on LeBron and shifted everything. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, offense and defense don't equate equally. Offense is always more important than defense. So Steph should have won it, uh, the finals MVP that year. Cool. The, the KD's first championship, KD's first year with them championship, he clearly was finals MVP. Mm-hmm. Last year, you could easily make an argument Steph should have won because both of them did great in two games. Like, both of them did great in two games. Right. Steph did good the first two games. Well, the first game and the fourth game, KD did great in the two middle games. And most importantly, the game, well, and and what stuck out everybody's mind is that game three shot, the same game three shot he made last year. But you can make an easy argument for that. But you know what? Those numbers, those numbers, people who love LeBron, if you look at Steph's averages in the last two finals, the numbers are monstrous. But he has no MVPs. But his legacy hurts. Last year, last year he almost averaged a triple double. His numbers are crazy. The whole point to me why finals. First of all, I was never a big fan on finals MVP. Should be playoff MVP. Finals MVP just means you were the best player on your team. That, that, that like it's automatically going to go to the best player on the team, but you're not, like league MVP. You're competing against all 450 players. Finals MVP. You're only competing against. 24 players, the 12 on your team, including you, and the 12 from the other team. So it's a smaller group that you're competing with. So finals MVP to me, I mean, of course it's on the grandest stage, but to me, that the Steph's two league MVPs, one unanimous, means more to me than any finals MVP that he could ever win. To me, because he came out of nowhere and he did it back to back. Like, 
to me, that that resonates more than Finals MVP. And if your legacy is in question after KD's first year, you, what was it, twenty eight nine and eight as the second air quote the second option? You know, <laughs> I feel like the Steph haters need to knock it the hell off. Like at some point, they need to just knock it off. You know, like at the end of the day, that man legacy. Right now, Steph Curry right now, you can make an argument. He's the second greatest point guard ever Ooh. under Magic Johnson. That's a dangerous take. You could do it right now. You could say he's the second greatest point guard ever right now. You could do it right now. If he didn't shoot another basketball today, you can make it right now. Some right people, now. Some people say he's not even top five. Those people been drinking a lot. Oh. You can make an easy, it's not even a hard argument. We could just start with the bail. We could just start with, number one, he's the greatest shooter ever. Right. He's breaking every, every three-point record, he's going to break it. That's clear. And then he's a two-time finals MVP. He's a two-time league MVP, one-time unanimous. What did you say Steph has changed the game more than LeBron? That's the and there's my see, see, he jumped ahead of me. That's my that's my <laughs> closing argument. That's my closing argument. The man changed basketball. He changed basketball. He changed the league. He did. With, there's always that changed the league. Wilt Chamberlain, Michael Jordan, um, who else we got? Shaq. There's guys that changed the league. LeBron James, in terms of how we watch the game, watching players, but Stephen Curry actually, LeBron really individually changed the way we view a player because he's just unique. We never seen a player like that. Mm. Stephen Curry actually changed the way everybody played basketball. Yeah. I was looking at numbers of how many three-point shots attempted now. Like, you know the Spurs, I think it was 2013, mm. they attempted like uh, they attempted like uh, eighteen three pointers a game. That that made them like the second in in the league in attempts. The very next year they were twenty fourth in the league with the same eighteen attempts. Steph Curry effect. That's crazy. The same the same eighteen shots they took the year before that had them number four or uh, in the top five in three point attempts made them the twenty fourth. In three point attempts. So, very boom. Next so year. check this out. We're gonna, we gonna shift gears to the next topic before we hit the stretch run. I mentioned the Steph Curry changing the game aspect because, again, you have a lot of people who don't like Steph Curry for whatever reason. But it's like I always tell people when I get really serious about basketball, we all have eyeballs. We know what we see, right? Yes, sir. People they, hate shooters, man. They, 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 they changed the people rules people. for Shaq. They changed the way yes. we defend. Remember, they started to allow teams to play zone at one point because of Shaq, right? Steph is a game changer. The illegal Steph defense a- rules changed because of as Shaq. A general, as a general rule, people hate shooters, bro. I know. Yeah. I'm a jump shooter. But people check this hate out. shooters. The, the NBA changed their rules because of what Steph and the Warriors were doing with the emphasis on pace and freedom of movement, Right. But my question to you is, I'm looking at the scores around the league. Is it too much of an emphasis on this rule change by way of Steph about pace and freedom of, more so freedom of movement than pace? How do you feel about that? Listen, this is like one of those, it's it's like a gift and a curse. Mm -hmm. Like, because you got teams that have no business having people launching 43s a game, but then what other option do you have if you don't have Shaq? 
Remember, that's the only way to really combat a mm. team like the Warriors where they stretch you out like that is slow the game down, but you got to slow the game down with a big man. Mm. All of the big men threes. So it's one of those things where what do you do? Like you either you either evolve or have us or have the Warriors dominate everyone badly. <laughs> so it's one of those where you have no choice. And then let's just call it what it is. Is what I was saying about offense being better than defense. Offense waiting more than defense in terms of how you weight them. Right. Offense is a beautiful thing. Spread offense is a beautiful thing. The NFL you see is doing it. I can't even believe I just mentioned that league, but whatever. <laughs> um, um, yeah, offense is is a beautiful thing. They wanted more offense. I love '90s basketball. Of course, I do. But as a general rule, people don't like a seventy to sixty-five game or eighty to eighty-five. Like those days are over. People like to see space. People like to see pace. People like to see high-scoring games. That 139, 126, right. like that. It's a good thing. Listen, so as a general, every I'm great cool era of basketball, with the exception of the 90s, and we're going to get there in a second, it was a lot of scoring. I'm, it was a lot I of like pace. It. it was points. It was. It was. The, 80s, the 80s, they was putting up 130 all the time. That's like regular. That's regular. Cool. regular. You know, I'm, I'm a fan of the freedom of movement. I, I guess I'm going to have an old man gripe. You know, I'm not that old, but, like, the way I look at the game, right? I just feel as though the freedom of movement is allowing even more limited players to flourish. There's no real pressure. They've they, 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 At this point, they're damn near tying the hand of the defender. There's no hand checking. Now I can't even give you a little, a little bump when you're flowing through the paint or you, you're trying to cut through to get to your spot on the floor. It's like you, you, you're restricting everything the defender could do besides use his feet and shuttle from side to side because he can't even stretch his hands too much. If he waves his hand, it might be a foul, you know? So it's like that. I have that issue. But I get the fact that they want, they want the NBA. Honestly, the NBA's goal is... It's to be a better version of what soccer is in Europe. They want that free-flowing, elegant game that you could put on sure. and become yeah. the sport, the national sport of the country. Right. Listen, basketball is such a beautiful, fluid sport. It's a right. beautiful sport, especially when it's played correctly. It's a beautiful sport. Offensively, it's just amazing to watch. But I, I play defense, so it's, I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that there does need to be some level of resistance because then you really get to – because you, you, you have to make more moves when the defense is tougher. Like you don't have to make as many moves when the defense isn't as good. AI's crossover is only like that because of the defense that's guarding him. He doesn't have to do that crossover if people aren't guarding him a certain way. So a lot of the moves that we see, that killer crossover by Tim Hardaway, is because of defense. There's good defense, so you have to make other moves. You can't just have a streamline to the basket. Right. So I think there, there, we can see the greatness of players when you give some resistance, but nevertheless, I don't want to see... Uh, uh, bad boy Pistons punching people in the face when they go to the lane. I don't want to see that either. You know what I'm saying? Like, True. Again, I waxed poetically about the 90s, but uh, it's a lot of those games are ugly to watch. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I, I want to sit and watch that. So hold on, hold on, Mike. So I'm going to broach the question. This is a topic on your show. I saw you say that at one point. I don't know if you backed off of it, but at the time you said that you chose the current model of the NBA over what was happening in the 90s. Are you still there or have you shifted gears? Uh, you put, you're, you're, you're backing me into a corner. Absolutely. I've been, 
I, I've been back and forth about it. Here's my thing. Okay. Here's my. I'm not gonna try to. I'm not gonna try to. I, I talk a lot, man. I ramble. Have <laughs> it, man. I'm a preacher. That's what. Man, preachers talk a lot. But um, here's my thing. Um, I'm just, it, it's two. It's kind of two different kinds of conversations when we discuss this topic of errors. Uh-huh. Because if we're talking purely from a a, a talent standpoint, like you said, our eyeballs tell us things. Our eyeballs give give us the information sometimes. So when we're looking at the talent of this era, this era is unlike anything we've ever seen. Right. Like you talk about Stephen Curry, LeBron, Giannis, Joel and B, like AD, we're seeing these these level of players that have these skill sets that are incredible. Now the 90s basketball, the resistance, and 90s basketball, there's a lot of extracurricular things that we lack to, like rivalry. Again, I'm a Pacer fan, so Pacers-Knicks was a big thing for me. We don't have any rivalries anymore in the NBA. Mm. That's what we're missing. So it's other things within 90s basketball that kind of makes it equal to this era. What I was really talking about in, 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 on our show, on Sports Hitlers, was about just looking at the talent level. Uh. Just from a standpoint talent wise it's it's incredible what we are seeing from some of these players okay and not again i don't want to make a mistake like carl malone wasn't a, a, a supremely talented player dennis rodman had a lot of talent to be undersized reggie miller you know people say oh well all he does is move around screens but look at her, look at how pris how uh, how precision like he was in being able to move around space. So there was talent there, but for the most part, the talent we have now in our NBA now compared to then, oh my goodness. Like, so, again, we've never seen players like LeBron. We've never seen players like Kevin Durant. Uh, never seen players like Giannis. Those players didn't exist in the 90s. Well, well Mike, those- on my pod, what I like to do is, you know, I, I try to tell the truth. But more often than not, I wear the bad cop hat on the show, you know? So Wear it, man. Where I fall in on the 90s is, is that the further away we move from the 90s, the lore of the 90s has has, has grown to a level of, of revered basketball sure. era. When the decade sure. before, the 90s could not hold a candle to the 80s, right? The sure. next thing I'm I'm just about tired of every good modern era NBA team getting compared to oh they well, they couldn't do that in the nineties like yeah, man right, right, right. listen Golden right, State right. Golden State the 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 anomaly the the systemic anomaly another Matrix reference that they are would dribble circles around damn near any team from any era. Like we gotta stop hey, doing this. We, I, I'm tired I'm of you, using man. the '90s as this NBA litmus test. As oh, they couldn't do this. Oh, LeBron wouldn't be LeBron in the '90s. Like no. Yeah, I'm with you. There's a lot hey, of I'm, there's a lot of great players from the '90s. Absolutely. I'm, I'm but, with you, but bro. The basketball talk, is way better. Yeah. Hey, if we talk, hey, I'm with you, bro. If we talking about the Warriors, I I already said after last year, this is the greatest team I've ever seen. I remember the 90s Bulls to some degree. I mean, I was a kid, but I still remember my uncle forced me to watch all Jordan's tapes to come fly with me, all those different <laughs> things. And being states, I was forced to watch them. So I know about the 90s Bulls, but, bro, this is the greatest team I've ever seen. I'm just going to keep it real. It's not it's not recency bias on my part because mm. I love the 90s. 
So, you know, I'm a, I, that's my era. Of bas- that's the era I like early 2000s, too. But yeah, absolutely. Bro, this is the team I've ever seen. You so, can love I'm, an era, but be objective. But it's like people feel as though if I say the current model is the best model, it's auto, auto reaction is recency bias. But it's like, nah, man. Like, no. There's a lot of bad teams in the 90s. A lot of unwatchable basketball in the 90s. Clarence Weatherspoon was not playing in this era. He couldn't get there. 30 minutes a night in this era. Absolutely no, not. No. And there was a Charles lot Oakley of... Couldn't play. Charles Oakley couldn't play in this era. This is he what couldn't. I'm saying. And it's he like, couldn't. if you he want couldn't. to compare era to era and talk about, like, greatness, like I always say there's a difference between greater and better, right? If you want to talk about mm. greatness of the 90s and mm. the characters that we had, we had a lot more characters in the 90s. Sure. A lot more brands. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, singular player sure. brands. I'm, I'll grant you that the 90s might be better, or excuse me, greater than the current model. But if we're talking basketball, playing the game, there's way better hoopers right now than in the 90s. It's, it's undisputable. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. That was that was really what what prompted my um, uh, uh, my my um my post. That's really what prompted because I had what I forgot what game I was watching. I think it was Giannis, mm-hmm. and I was like. Yo, this is incredible. Like, because I don't even really, I'm not that much of a fan because I hate the fact that he can't shoot. But just in terms of watching what he's able to do at that height with that speed, it was like, I had to give it up. I was holding on for dear life for my 90s. I love 90s. Again, I'm a Reggie Miller fan. Mm-hmm. My man scored in 8.6 seconds. That was incredible. That has never, that was amazing. But again, I can't, I can't, my eyes, I can't allow my heart to let my eyes, my eyes, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what, it's, it's, but it's the love, you know, like I'm a Kobe guy, you know, you know how hard it's going to be when I'm like 60 to admit a play is better than Kobe. I'm not sure if I'll ever say it, you know, I might know yo, it, but I, I might never say it. Yo, listen, you, you talk about something. I had to actually do that. I believe, remember, Reggie Miller is my favorite player. Mm-hmm. I always used to say, I used to preface my comment. I was, always, I would always say this whole sentence: Reggie Miller is the greatest to ever step behind a three-point line. That was until Stephen Curry came in the league. Mm-hmm. I had to say it, and it hurt I you, never, didn't it? I ne- it hurt you. You know, it still hurts. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't hurt as much anymore because I was, I've been following Stephen Curry since his Davidson days, so I knew he was great. I didn't know he was going to be this great of a shooter, but I knew he was a great player. But I had to actually state, I, I had to accept it. Remember, 90s, but I had to accept this is the greatest shooter I have ever seen. Mm. And I had to accept it. Hey, listen, the Model T car was a good car, but the Tesla is in the Model T. Like It, it is, is what it is. is. You know what? And when you use that analogy, I hope that basketball fans grasp what we're saying because another thing to bring it full circle with these sucker MCs is they don't listen a hundred percent. They pick certain words out of your sentence and create a narrative around something. Like if you listen to what I said, I didn't say that, but they'll tell you you said something else. We're not saying that we 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 not poo pooing on these other eras. We just saying that the basketball yeah. players right now, listeners, are better than what they were twenty years ago. Don't die. Don't don't yes. go. Don't go. Go pray to God. I can't believe he just said that. It, it, it is what it is. It's just common sense. Doctor J's dunks were incredible until Michael Jordan did the did the windmill. Right. That windmill looked good. <laughs> 
until Vince Carter did between the legs. Like, he did a reverse 360 windmill. Like, what we, we, I mean, come on. And that reverse 360 looked amazing until Zach Levine did a did a windmill from the free throw line. Like, this is it's an evolution. Everybody learns from a previous era and ah. get better. All right, so this is like. This is where we're going to wrap it up, you know, because there's been a, a, a shift in the force. You know, it's been a lot of battles. This this player, he, he causes a lot of emotions, a, a, a lot of feelings. Sucker yeah. MCs and knowledgeable hoopers and basketball fans alike can't seem to agree on this player. So I'm going to ask you this and we're going to get out of here. Why is the league forcing Carmelo Anthony out? Oh... I don't think it's I, I think it's I think it's mellow and the league. I think they're working mm. together, but I think it's I think it's mostly mellow. I'm Talk sorry to say it, it's one of those things that bro, he he just he's not the type of player he is, he isn't anymore, and he's in the wrong era to play that to be that kind of player. He's a ball stacking player that is not a spot up shooter, so he can't fit as a role player on any team. Mm. Because the team that want a role player, like Houston did work because they needed a specific role player uh, uh, which Melo's skill set doesn't fit. So I just think Melo's at the point now where I think he could go to Miami or a team that's not a contender, but a contending team. I tried to rack my brain about it. What contending team can use his skill set? I, I don't know. That I felt like bait. Houston cut bait too soon. I felt like that was a personal Dan Tony decision. I, I don't believe that he didn't fit in Houston. I just think they didn't figure it out yet. I don't think he fit at all. And, I, and I was talking to a, a Houston fan earlier. You got to think about what Trevor, he fell in Trevor Reza's spot. Right. Trevor Reza did specific things. Catch and shoot, defend. On the short corner, though, the True. key spots, that's not Melo's, Melo's area of where he dominates is the wings and the low block. Right. He doesn't shoot on the threes, so that's not typically an area of the floor he plays in. That's where most of Trevor Ariza's shots, if I'm not mistaken, were coming from the short corners and different wings. Same thing with P.J. Tucker. That's the way their offense works. Melo's not a spot-up shooter. That's Dan Tony's offense. So he never was going to fit that offense unless Dan Tony changed it. And mm. Dan Tony was not going to change his offense for Melo. So you so don't think a Toronto, change. he could fit there as, as a third option? Nah? I think he would destroy Toronto's oh. chemistry if he would. Oh, Are you man. kidding me? I'm just floating the question. I ain't saying it would work. I'm just asking. <laughs> no, he would destroy Toronto's chemistry. That bench, even though they they're not as good as they were last year, well, they're coming out the block slow. But that bench is solid. He would kill their bench uh. because he's a proper. His skill set does makes it impossible. Not impossible. His skill set makes it very difficult. Like Philly, he could go to Philly because they have no one. They have a thin bench, so of course yeah. you could go to Philly. It's just his skill set. Just it's 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 time, baby. It's uh, time. So what if the Clippers aren't found? What if the Clippers actually found money and they remain good? Could, is there room there? I'm just trying to find good teams where he can help. That's that's really what I'm, I'm throwing teams on the wall right now. Like yo, we got to step back for a second and think about it. Mm-hmm. This is his 16th year. Michael Jordan only played 15 years. Touche. This is normal when players retire. Like we, the problem is the problem that Melo is having is he got drafted with LeBron, uh, the, the anomaly. 
That's the only problem. If Melo was in any era, we would be okay with him retiring his 16th year. Most players don't get this long of a legacy and be at a he, high level. He's only 34. <laughs> he's only 34. He could play another year or two. He's not old. Like, oh, wait, so hold on. Mike, Mike, Mike. You're saying he's washed? He's 34 in a he's 34 in just regular years, but in NBA years, he's six, he's like 50. Mike. He's played. Are you saying are you saying Melo is washed? It's, of course Melo's washed. Oh. It's a rap. It's a rap. It's a, bro, but the thing that I want people to understand is that's okay. He's been in the league 16 years. Yeah, the problem is we think he got drafted with LeBron. And because Vince Carter and and Dirk Nowitzki won't retire, <laughs> we think everybody's gonna play when he's good. The NBA, I think it's, I think it's uh, uh, four to five years a uh, uh, career. Most players do not play to their 16th years, especially not at a high level. So my thing is, this is what, it's bringing it back to what we was talking about earlier. We're 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 losing, we're forgetting about what we are accustomed to seeing. We're changing the way we view things. Players typically are not good in their 16th year. This is fair. Most players, it's like Melo is at the actual he's at the normal point actually he's exceeded where most people are in their 16th year in the career most outside of LeBron who else in that draft is good True. D. Wade is retiring this year Chris Bosh is out the league Her Heinrich has been out the league. <laughs> nobody is in the league in his draft class anymore except who Andre Iguodala I think oh that was the year before the year after like it's over like it's over and it's okay to be over. Melo is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yo. He's one of the greatest in NBA history. It's over though. Mike, you know yeah. what? I appreciate your rational take. I, You know what? I love Melo. Let, let, let's be clear. Full disclosure, I am a Syracuse Orange fan. He brought me the lone championship. I have a soft spot in my heart for Carmelo Anthony. And it's difficult. I, I You know what? I, I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think he's washed. I don't want to believe that. And you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm willing to... It, it's an emotional thing for me. It's not even basketball. Emotionally, but, but think about- it's difficult for me to say he's washed. I can't... I won't say but, it. What you think he could average? We're going to test to see what you mean by wash, because that's a subjective term. What okay. do you think he could average on a team? What do you think he could average? What, what kind of team? On a, on a team where he gets the ball a lot, like a high usage situation? Gonna, you think Melo should get high usage? Well, no, no, no. I'm just I'm trying to understand your question. Like, what, what, like no, in, in a limited player. role? Realistically, that's the role he's got to play. He's not going to be a high usage player. I think we both can agree on that. He's not a high usage player I think, now. I think it, in the right situation, he's still good for 15. 15? Yeah. Melo was, was averaging 29. Therefore, he's washed. Oh. That's 14. It's a limited think role. Think about it. <laughs> he was averaging 29 a game. You telling me he's a 14 point per game drop. That's washed, bro. He was just 23 you know, two years ago. <laughs> think about it, just, but think about it. Four years ago, the man was averaging like 28 points a game, 27. You telling me he's a 14-point drop? Bro, You how can that not be watched? I'm, I'm <laughs> going to – listen, I, 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 I'm going to have to come to grips with that off the air. <laughs> <laughs> 
Listen, but this is what I, all I want you to. All we got to come to grips with is understanding that it's okay. He had a great career. Agreed, though. agreed. <laughs> but like at this point in the episode, we're gonna bring it to a close. I just need you to do one thing for me. Identify just yourself. Identify yourself. Let the listeners know your social media. We'll, we'll uh, let them know a little bit about your show, where they can find you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. No, Mike Miller. One of the contributors of the Sports Hit List, one of the illest shows on YouTube. Just a bunch of guys that that had an idea to talk about sport. And our, our, our fearless leader, Carl Coulange, decided to put it together. And it's been an amazing ride. I believe we're on season four or five. It's on YouTube. You can check us out the Sports Hit List, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, uh, follow me on Instagram, uh, God's soul brother, God's uh, underscore soul, S O U L brother, B R O T H A. God's soul brother. Yeah, bad long. Bad long. <laughs> but check this out. Check this out on the Sports Hit List Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, man. Yo, Mike, this was fun. I'm going to have you Yo, come back fun. on this pod during the second half Please of the season fun. when things get real, and we'll do this again. Yo, please do, man. This was a this was a this was a privilege and an honor, my brother. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, chapter thirty-seven of the Gray Area is in the books. The Rat Roundtable Volume Three is coming very soon. We have a major, 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 major announcement. You can find the Gray Area on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Elite Sports New York, iHeartRadio, and wherever else you can find podcasts. As the saying goes, whether you like it or don't like it, sit down and look at it because it's the best going today. Woo! Perfect.